Welcome to the Later in Life Planning Show with Patrick Colley, brought to you by Keystone Elder Law, right here on News Radio WHP 580. Now, here's your host, Patrick Colley. Thank you for joining me for another episode of the Later in Life Planning Show, sponsored by Keystone Elder Law. If you've been listening to this show for any period of time, you notice that I come back to certain themes. One of those themes is, you know, when you're doing your legal planning, which is what we do at Keystone Elder Law, when you're doing your financial planning, you have to keep in mind the statistics on long-term care because middle-class families can be wiped out. Your savings can be obliterated by the cost of long-term care. And what am I talking about? Well, the Alzheimer's Association says that one out of every three people will will develop dementia in their lifetime. And that doesn't even get to the people who will have a stroke, who will have uh, Parkinson's, MS, ALS, or even a bad accident or a bad fall, and they, they lose their physical mobility. So last week, I was talking about how with the, the uh, burden that it's going to place on family members— uh, if if you need that level of care, family members are going to have to rally around and provide care and support to keep a person supported unless you go to a higher level of care in a facility. This week, we're going to recognize another reality, which is that adult children are more mobile than they ever have been in the past. So they're living all over the country and the world. And if it's, you know, a couple in their 80s, and, you know, the husband falls in the middle of the night. Can the wife pick him up or is it going to be a 911 call? So what am I talking about now? I'm talking about professional home care because we are very blessed and fortunate in this area to have some wonderful agencies who can come in and support the independence and the dignity of an older adult and keep them safe in their home. So my guest today is Richard Ruda who is with Visiting Angels, specifically out of Carlisle, Gettysburg, Chambersburg, serving that tri-county area. Richard, thank you for being with me today to discuss this important topic. Patrick, thank you for inviting me. It's, it's definitely a pleasure to be uh, on the show with you today. Well, I know you know you have you and I have spoken many times in the past, and I think we're on the same page about so much of the importance of this and getting the word out to people so they understand it. And But when I say that, I know that it's because you're a sincere person. You come at this industry, this caregiving industry, for all the right reasons. And a lot of it is personal for you, isn't it? It, it truly is. I mean, so, so talk a little bit about what motivated you to go into home care, because I know that it hits yeah. close to home. It does, Patrick. Uh, ironically, my, my background, I have a degree in nursing, uh, a graduate degree in health services administration. And most of my career has been in healthcare operations. About 10 years ago, a total stranger uh, came into an office. I was running for a durable medical equipment company, and he came in for a CPAP. And I was sitting at my assistant's desk, who was off that day, and it was just, it wasn't a voice, it was a feeling. I got to get this guy's contact information. And he came back out of the CPAP uh, setup, and I must have said something. He invited me to lunch. Well, he had started this franchise uh, actually nine years before I, I purchased it. And, you know, it's, it's almost 10 years now, and I look back, and it, it's, it's not by, it wasn't by accident. Uh, I absolutely love what I do, because what I do is I help families keep their loved ones out of a nursing home when I couldn't help my own mom and dad. Uh, inadvertently, we, we made mistakes as a family. 
Uh, I'm the last of six kids. Uh, we're all in the medical profession. And we didn't see the, the forest through the trees or the trees through the forest, however that, that saying goes, with my own parents. My father was demented. My mother was arthritic. But jointly, they lived together for a number of years. But both as their disease processes progressed, my father's dementia got worse. My mother's arthritis got worse. And I would visit my parents every four to six weeks. Uh, my kids were infants. They, at the time, they, they lived over 200 miles away from me. So I could see the different changes in them every four to six weeks. And, and I remember my dad getting worse. And I would say, Mom, you need help. No, I don't. Mom, you need help. No, I don't. Every time I would bring this up to her, she was in denial. And it was very frustrating, and I got very upset with my mother, and I said, you know, Mom, I can't help you if you don't help me. And shortly after that conversation, she fell. And I ended up having to, my father could not call 911, so she laid on the floor for two days, and she, we ended up having to admit my mom and dad the same day to a nursing home. My father to a locked demented unit, and my mother to a, pers- uh, to, um, uh, um, a personal care apartment. And I'll never forget, it was the worst thing because I got my dad in this room. And as I'm walking out, I didn't realize he was walking behind me. And as the door closed, I was on one side of the door and I turned around, my dad's standing there. And I turned my back on my own father. So I know what that feeling is like. We had no choices. And what's wonderful, I'm in a position now to help people through that, through that, through that process. Don't do what I did, you know? So I help coach him through that process. Yeah, even just watching for the those signs. That's right. And then when, even when the adult child sees the signs that you saw, how do you have that conversation yeah. with someone who has already, by getting older, lost control over, you know, with arthritis, your mom was already losing control over mm-hmm. uh, lots of things. Uh, your father had lost control over things. And when you introduce this concept of you need help, it, they feel like they have to cling, like their life depends upon it, to anything that keeps them in the driver's seat, keeps them independent and, and in control. But That's right. accepting help is tough. It, it is tough. And, and often I speak to so many families. We get many referrals a week. And this conversation is just, <laughs> it's rogue, rogue after a while for me. But it's just, um, so many people are in denial. And it's really critical to, um, you know, Understand what their wishes are. And, 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 you know, I tell families, you know, I coach them through that conversation. And I often tell them, sit down with mom and dad, tell them that you love them, and ask them one simple question. Do you want to stay home? And the answer is probably going to be yes. And in case it is yes, then the mom and dad, we have three options, okay? Uh, I can't do this by myself. So we need some help from either the neighbors the church or, you know, or a professional company such as Visiting Angels or, or any type of home care. If that's not an option, their second option is a personal care home. That cost for care is six to 8000 a month nationally. And their other third option is a nursing home, which is twelve to $15,000 a month um, nationally. Yeah, well, and there's one other option. You can do nothing. That's right. But- you know, we, you and I have both seen where that goes, either from the legal planning, do nothing, yeah. financial planning, do nothing, uh, arranging for care, do nothing. And then 
on the last one with caregiving, that means your your choices get made for you. The circumstances, maybe even a government agency makes the choice. A hospital says, you know, there's a there's a fall, a hospital visit, and then the hospital yeah. says you're not going home. Yeah. We're we're getting you placed somewhere else. You, you you bring up a great point because what I tell families, if if you don't make an option, if you don't make a choice, it will be made for you. It's not an if. If it happens, no, it's a when. It's a when. And, and it's going to be a typically a fall or some type of medical emergency that lands that, that, that family member into an emergency room, a three-day hospitalization stay, and then directly into a nursing home. And they're going to lose the opportunity to stay in their home. Right. And I, and I don't know maybe from the, the dynamics of having that conversation with the parent if, if that – I mean, you don't want to use scare tactics, no. but it is – I mean, if it comes to that, if they're not budging – at least giving them the full picture that yeah. if you think you're clinging to control, you will lose it because other people will make the decision for you. And and it's just about, look, we want to honor your dignity and your independence, and let's take some action now and keep help in the house so that a fall doesn't yeah. elevate the level of care. Yeah, home, home is the best place to be. And what I tell families, our goal is to keep your loved one in the home or at their level of care as long as possible, contingent on one simple thing, and that's safety. That question, is it safe or not safe, is is what helps guides was able to help guide my family's decision making process with both my parents. It, it, it wasn't safe for them to be a house, unfortunately, at that point in time. And so, you know, that's why you you have to sometimes you have to put somebody in a nursing home. It, it's inevitable. Right. And the nursing home, I, I've said this before, nursing homes are full of people who are never gonna go to a nursing home. But no. when if people are falling downstairs because they live in a house with with more than one floor, if they're you know, as unfortunately with your mom, if you know, if somebody ends up on the floor for an extended period of time because nobody can reach out for for help, you know, these are all say, you know, with dementia, of course, sometimes one symptom is wandering. So if somebody's going for a walk and not finding their way home or worse, getting in the car, then these are safety issues and and other options have to be considered. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, do you get pushback from the, the adult children? Like I, I made a promise to my parents, you know, I don't I, that I would never do that. Well, it, it, it be, it, again, bring it back to that safety. It, it's not realistic. Right. That, that that promise is not a realistic promise it, it just it's not unfortunately it, yeah and i i find that it was made at a time not knowing what this right. would look like at exactly. all they didn't know what they were promising right. and really underlying the promise anyway is a promise to take care of mom and dad right. and look out for their best interests and sometimes that means deviating from the actual words i'm not going to place you into a facility of some kind well, we're going to uh, head to a break and come back with Richard Ruda from Visiting Angels. We're talking about professional home care. Richard mentioned the levels of care at home, personal care, memory care, skilled care. I do a regular workshop on how these options uh, get paid for. You can go to keystoneelderlaw.com and use the workshops tab to get registered for the next free workshop. It's online. Take it in from the comfort of your home. We'll be back in a moment with the Later in Life Planning Show on News Radio WHP 580. Now, more of the Later in Life Planning Show here on News Radio WHP 580. We're back on the Later in Life Planning Show, sponsored by Keystone Elder Law. I'm Patrick Cauley. I'm the host of the show. My guest today is Richard Ruda of Visiting Angels with offices throughout South Central Pennsylvania, serving people with professional home care. And if you uh, have heard previous episodes of the show, you know, I've brought up the statistics, the the prevalence of 
dementia, the prevalence of losing physical mobility to various conditions, and then a more recent statistic that came out in Pennsylvania that in the next seven years, the population of people 85 and older is going to nearly double. So if you just heard Richard Ruta talking about his very personal story, you know, he and his siblings being in the healthcare professions and and they uh, were, were having trouble spotting the red flags or at least convincing mom and dad that maybe it was time for another level of care. Please keep uh, take his story to heart and please keep listening because this is it, it just going to be more and more common, the need for people like Richard Ruta and Visiting Angels. So, Richard, before the break, we were talking about safety being the one factor because, of course, there's care in the home and everybody wants to stay in their home, of course, and, and I, I fully support every effort to do that. Uh, but when it becomes unsafe, then you're you're probably looking at a higher level of care, whether it's personal care, memory care, or skilled nursing care being the highest level. But talk to me more about this safety, because I remember specifically, it might have been a couple of years ago when you and I were, were discussing, uh, and you brought this up for the first time, that it's not just safety for the person involved in those factors, mm-hmm. stairs, falling, uh, you know, wandering, but it's also the safety of the caregiver. And That's you right. encountered, you shared one particular story that really stuck with me about you wouldn't let your caregivers go into this particular uh, yeah. home. It wasn't safe for, for the, <laughs> the person needing care, and it definitely wasn't safe for the caregiver. But tell yeah. me about that. Yeah, it, it, the whole goal is to be able to keep that your loved one in their home safely. And there's times when that cannot happen. And, and the, the, the story that you're mentioning is this was a, a referral re- I had received from out of state. It was a son in South Carolina uh, who had a, a strained relationship with his father who did, refused to give him his POA, power of attorney. And um, the hospital had also made the referral. And we went in there, and unfortunately— um, it was a it was a nightmare situation because the, the, it was winter time. There, the heat was turned off. The ambulance dropped this gentleman off from the hospital, and um, there's no running water. And you know, it was just all these dynamics that you just wouldn't think of. And and so, what I basically I called nine one one back, and they actually ended up taking the gentleman back to the hospital because it was not a safe transfer. So it's all about safety. That, those are very limited. Sure. Uh, it might be an outlier, but yeah. it, but the fact that that happens and that you immediately just yes. instinctively had the gut reaction that, nope, right. the, the, the ambulance must come back. We're not leaving this individual there. And it's not like you were getting paid as a, no, as a caregiver. It was just, thing. no, I'm looking out for this it, guy. It's doing the right thing. Right. It's doing the right thing. But you do bring up a great point as relates to safety uh, in, within the home. And often, so many times when I, when I consult with families considering care, I, I tell them the most important person, it's typically a husband and wife elderly in their homes by themselves, sometimes with family, sometimes not. And what I often tell the the the, fan, the spouse, the most important person in that home situation is not the client who needs the services. It's the spouse of that client. Because what happens if something happens to that spouse? Right. You're in a nightmare situation overnight. How do I know this? I lived it. That's exactly what happened to my mom and dad. Mom, you need care. No, I don't. Mom, you need some help. No, I don't. And every time, as I said before earlier, she was so resistant. And she became very stubborn, and her being stubborn lost her ability to stay at home eventually as well. And that's not why to mention that all the statistics on 
the effect on the health of the spousal mm-hmm. caregiver. And I, I've mm-hmm. seen these stats in the context of dementia right. because then, you know, nights and days get mixed up. The spouse who's mm-hmm. who's healthy and trying to provide care can't get any sleep. Yeah. Uh, but, but, you know, it even extends to physical mobility. If you're trying to lift somebody and you hurt yourself, mm-hmm. now you're useless. That's right. And I think that's the point you're making. As well as the emotional impact as well. You yeah. know, this is my, I'm, I'm so, especially, you know, just, I'm supposed to take care of my spouse, you know, especially a husband caring for his wife, you know, and, and the fact that they can't do that and they don't want to admit to it. And they, they push themselves to the point that they end up hurting themselves and they're in the hospital. Right. So I said, don't wait too long, you know. Yeah. So whether it's the, the, the adult child from several states away or even there's somebody present in the home, but it's but it's a spousal caregiver. These are all reasons to give yourself a break and be the spouse but don't be the caregiver. Bring right. in the pros who can do this and be, do it safely. Right. Um, and 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 I love just I brought up that other story too, mm-hmm. just because I just think that speaks to the integrity of what you're doing. Where mm-hmm. you're not going to leave anybody, no. whether it's the client right. who needs care or your caregivers, in that kind of a situation. Yeah. And you know, you you just do the right thing, and and that's you know, find the be- next best option. But speaking of options, let's talk about what is home care. I mean, so we're sort of using that term rather broadly, but there are different kinds of care that can be provided in the home. Yeah, that that's a, a common uh, misunderstanding of what home care is. Most people don't understand what home care is. Home care composes basically three components being medical home care, uh, non-medical home care, and hospice. A non-medical home care is what we do at Visiting Angels. Um, medical home care is basically uh, skilled, well, it is skilled nursing, uh, skilled home care, which consists of physical therapy, occupational therapy, um, speech, uh, or skilled nursing. It is paid by Medicare under Part B of Medicare and requires a physician order, and it's usually done in what's called a certification period of every 60 days. Then you have Hospice care. Hospice care is another uh, covered element from Medicare. Medicare Part B pays for hospice. Um, and, and that's another, you know, almost, uh, almost another conversation onto its own, however. And one we've had on this yeah. show. There was a previous episode of the show just on hospice, but but it's good to put it in context of, yeah, of home and, care. Yeah, and I just want to make a quick little point about hospice. It, it's so misunderstood by the general public. Most people think hospice care is dying care. It's not. It's end-the-life care. It's a tremendous benefit that just does not get utilized as right. it should. It, you know, um, someone has to have at least a, a probability of living, and then you're able to bring a professional team and support. And anyone who's experienced hospice care will tell you how wonderful it is yep. for the family. Unfortunately, hospice typically gets ordered in the last week of life. Right. And, and it's so sad. Um, and then there's non-medical home care, again, what we do. Um, there's a few uh, – mo- you have long-term care policies that pay for what we do. You also have the VA that has a tremendous benefit. Um, there's VA, there's home care through the Veterans Administration. There's also a program called Aid in Attendance, which is tremendous. And I know we've talked about Aid in Attendance yep. with our group. And I cover that in the, in the workshop that, that's called How to, How Will You Pay for Long-Term Care? So if you go to keystoneelderlaw.com and re- yeah. use the workshops tab, I do talk yeah. about the various ways you're going to pay for long-term care. The Aid in Attendance is, as Richard is saying, a tremendous benefit 
Um, it's it, it's based on not just being a veteran. You had to be active duty. You had to be uh, during a wartime. So it, right. it doesn't apply to all veterans, but for those who it helps, it helps an awful lot. It, it does. For for example, uh, a, a, a married veteran can be eligible for $2,431 a month in uncompensated home care expenses. Their married spouse is eligible for $1,610 a month. So close to $4,000 a month, actually over $4,000 a month in uncompensated home care expenses. Yeah. However, but there's certain qualifications that they need to be able to. Sure. It does get a little complicated after that once you figure out were you active duty mm-hmm. for at least 90 days, one day in a wartime period. Mm-hmm. But, the, you know, we can talk about that yeah. with, with people one-on-one sure. and look at their circumstances. One thing I wanted to observe, and I'm just the elder law attorney, mm-hmm. but you're in the business, is I think that the difference between the medical home care paid for by Medicare, so the the nurse, the occupational therapist, right. physical therapist, is you're going to get a lot fewer hours. That's correct. You probably it's- need someone like Visiting Angels because you you need someone there for set numbers of hours. And depending right. on the level of need, I mean, it could be a lot of hours. And again, a great point, Patrick. Um, the medical home care is going to take uh, address specific issues, you know, such as a wound, you know, um, an ostomy. Uh, you know, or or physical therapy for walking and in speech, speaking for speech. Um, we are, we actually help with that care. It's anything external to the body. We assist with activities of daily living. We basically take the place of family when they can't be available. Take you know, bathing, meal preparation, light housekeeping, doctor's appointments. Um, you know. And doing everything we can to keep that person in their home. Getting them through their day. That's right. So my guest today is Richard Ruda with Visiting Angels, with serving people with professional home care throughout South Central Pennsylvania. I keep referring to it, but if you want to learn more about these levels of care, and we're focusing on the, on just one, the one that most people want to stick to uh, today, home care. But if you want to learn about them all, go to KeystoneElderLaw.com and get registered for one of our up, upcoming online workshops. We'll be back with Richard Ruda in a moment. You're listening to the Later in Life Planning Show, sponsored by Keystone. Stone Elder Law on News Radio WHP 580. Welcome back to the Later in Life Planning Show on News Radio WHP 580. Here's Patrick Colley. We're back on the Later in Life Planning Show sponsored by Keystone Elder Law. My guest today is Richard Ruda with Visiting Angels, serving South Central Pennsylvania with professional home care. If you want to reach him by phone, it's 717-337-0620. And Richard, you know, we've we've talked about what home care is, the various kinds of home care, what home care is as an option instead of a higher level of care. Usually that's going to mean a personal care or assisted living facility or the highest level of care, skilled nursing. And one thing I've I've talked about uh, in previous episodes of the show and and certainly in the the, the workshops, the webinars that I do pretty much every week, uh, is is you work that into your legal and financial planning because it is it can be very, the higher the level of care, the more you're spending. So if somebody goes into a nursing home because they let circumstances make their decision for them, now they're looking at $13,000 a month. 
And of course, Medicaid might be available, and that's what elder law attorneys do. That's what we do at Keystone Elder Law. We can we can try to save some assets at that point and, and hopefully save a lot of money for a family. But that's what you're looking at. As you mentioned earlier, the middle level of care, personal care, assisted living is going to run between six and $8,000 a month. And so just as an alternative, I mean, we've, the, mm-hmm. the benefits we've already highlighted, you're keeping somebody safe with, with visiting angels in the home. You are uh, you know, getting them through their day. And it's probably, depending on the number of hours, it's probably more cost-effective as well. But talk a little bit about if, whether a per, if a person doesn't have long-term care insurance, if they don't have aid in attendance as a veteran, what are they paying for home care, whether it's your agency or, yeah. or another home care agency? Yeah. Again, another great topic, Patrick. Uh, costs, people have no concept of the costs. A majority of people have no idea of how much this type of care costs for either what we do, personal care homes or long-term care homes. So thank you for bringing those specific amounts up. Uh, non-medical home care average is about $30 an hour in our tri-county area. Some less, some more, but that on the average, about $30 an hour. And that's per caregiver? It, it, that's actually per hour. And you you usually have one, yeah, you usually have one caregiver Okay. Hour, I didn't exactly. know if, if it was routine to have more than one caregiver. S- sometimes there is. Okay. And sometimes there can be. If, if we require two people if if you have to have a transfer of two people, but very very seldom do we have that. Okay. So, you know, we Sure. Uh so but but yeah, it's it's very important for people to understand and that again why you want somebody in their home. Not only because it's the better place to be, but it's also the cheapest place to be. True. Yeah, and unless you need hours and hours That's of right. care, I mean, yeah. like around the clock, then of yeah. course, then at that point, you're probably looking at safety issues anyway, and, right. and maybe thinking about a higher level of care. Yeah. But, um, but you know, the next question I get when I bring up, uh, for example, when I I speak about skilled care, the highest level of care, thirteen thousand a month, and I I bring up Medicaid, which we're all paying into with our our paycheck deductions. You know, that's the safety net for the middle class, to, especially if you have a spouse who's healthy, to mm-hmm. keep them from going into poverty. And I'm building in all kinds of tools into people's estate plans. And then when that time comes for that care, I'm doing even more asset protection. Uh, I, I'm trying to save people from poverty, shield yes. them from these challenges. But, you know, the question comes up, well, if I'm on Medicaid, am I going to be in some dungeon or am I going to be mm-hmm. in a high quality place? And of course, all of them, you know, in this area, except for one or two, except uh, Medicaid. So that's not really the deciding factor on quality. But the question can be asked about home care. So mm-hmm. how does somebody know from, you know, you drive down uh, various major roads in this area and you see signs for, for home care agencies. Mm-hmm. How do I know one from the other? Yeah, well, it's a um, non-medical home care. The, uh, the, the level of quality goes from A to Z in our business, mainly because we're not highly regulated. Unlike a nursing home that's regulated every year, we're regulated every three years. Uh, so most people, sincerely, uh, reality-wise, are in this business to make a dollar. You know, I'm in this business to make a difference. Why? Because I had to put my dad in a nursing home. <laughs> I knew I know what it's like to have to do that. So, you know, um, the... Um, the level of care, just like I said, it fluctuates. So you have to ask you have to ask questions, specific questions as they relate to 
how do they obtain, you know, how do they um, recruit for their caregivers or, or when they when they we're all required as, as any business in, in what we do, we're required to do a state criminal background check. We not only do the state criminal background check, we do a national criminal background check. And then we vet all our caregivers every year on their anniversary. So we're constantly vetting our caregivers. Why do we do this? Because I've been in this business 20 years. Theft can be an issue, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, these are people coming into That's your right. home, your parents' home, and you know they, they you shouldn't have to lock down everything. So, so that's right. So what we educate our families, and one of the things that we do is we we our policies do not give any of our caregivers a credit card, uh, and also anything of value keep locked. But where safety of where theft can be a, a real issue in our business is when you have somebody who's by themselves and has dementia, and if uh, you're if you're not dealing with a reputable agency, it, it's a recipe for <laughs> for not a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, financial exploitation, we don't even know how much of it happens because some of it just never gets caught, but but it's a real deal. And you look out from that from the very- From the get-go. From the get-go of hiring. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, there's, I think another thing too is, I mean, it's it's kind of like, how do you know if you have a good attorney for estate planning or elder law? Well, you know, you can you can ask other people, who did you use? And, yeah. and ask them about us. And, you know, you'll hear what people say. You can look at Google exactly. reviews. That's exactly. a big tool. Exactly. And, and one of the things is uh, with our, with our, you know, with, with our businesses, um, how long, how long has that agency been in business? Sure. You know, there's people that run agencies out of their garage, <laughs> yeah. out of their basements. And that's not, that's definitely the minority. There's a lot of good companies, uh, non-medical home care companies in our area. And we're very lucky to be blessed with that, but there's some that are not. And so you have to ask those right questions. You know, how long you've been in business? Uh, do you track, track your customer satisfaction? Uh, three years ago, we partnered, made a strategic relationship with a company called Home Care Pulse. This is a, uh, a client satisfaction company out of, the mid, out of the Midwest that calls 10% of our clients and caregivers every month. And we're evaluated on five different benchmarks. And we're able to compare our scores against the scores of 15,000 agents, uh, 1,500, <laughs> I'm still forgetting, 3,500 agencies throughout the country. And then they have awards. Uh, they have a pinnacle award called Leadership of Excellence. Uh, of that 3,500 agencies, only 15% are able to achieve that award. And I'm very proud to say we have achieved that award the last three consecutive years. And, and so that's based on reaching out to the clients, reaching out to caregivers, and scoring on various factors of client satisfaction. Via a third party. Oh, okay. So this is great. You know, uh, I never realized the value initially. And it's wonderful because, you know, are we perfect? No, we're not. Do we make mistakes? Yeah, we do. We deal with a, a, a ton of uncontrollables, but we know where our issues are. And all these things end up washing out in our Google reviews. Because you're absolutely right with as it relates to Google reviews. Uh, when we first started, I had we we had like five, <laughs> and I never realized that importance at the time when I first bought the business. We now have over seventy four in our in our three uh, offices, and there, and it's uh, not just here's five stars. That's right. It's when people actually say things though, where right. they're specifically bringing up their stories. And I'll tell you, at Keystone Elder Law, it'll, I'll just be sitting at my desk doing work and my phone will give me a notification and it's a new Google review. And I'll read what these people are saying about whether it's not just me, it's usually about my staff you know, because we all work as a team. Right. And it just brightens my whole day yes, that these does. we made such an impact on these people's That's lives. Right. It's just amazing. Yeah. So, 
Well, and so I think that that those are all excellent questions as far as determining quality. Um, you know, asking around, checking on reviews. This that healthcare pulse, speak, or, or I'm sorry, home care home pulse. care pulse. Yeah. Pulse says in, you know, what you take when you put your <laughs> finger up to your wrist or something. So, you know, that's fantastic because like you said, I mean, no organization is perfect, but it's the fact that you pay attention to statistics shows me that you're open to getting better because you only learn from challenges or setbacks or even mistakes. And and I, I forget who it was, something like uh, some major CEO recently said, you know, nobody gets in trouble with me for making a mistake. I want them to make that's mistakes. Right. That's how they're going to learn. But that, that assumes that there's that commitment. Let's look at the data. Let's look at how we're doing yeah. compared to home care agencies across yeah. the country. And how can we do better? Yeah. Right. And then focusing in on the training. I, I've, I've started doing that at Keystone Elder Law as well. There are There's a, an anonymous survey. I mean, we're not a huge team, but but they get a survey that goes through various questions from a third party. And then I look at the answers and I know exactly where I need to provide, oh, this person just really needs training. They need more support. And I wouldn't have known it if if the really careful questions hadn't been asked. Well, we're going to come back uh, for another uh, segment with Richard Ruda of Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides home care, professional home care in South Central Pennsylvania. If you want to give them a call at 717-337-0620. And when we come back, we'll, we'll have some more conversation about Richard's experience providing home care and some things that you can be doing now. You are listening to the Later in Life Planning Show, sponsored by Keystone Elder Law on News Radio WHP 580. It's the Later in Life Planning Show here on News Radio WHP 580. Now your host, Patrick Colley. You know, today we're we're talking about the things you can do to plan ahead in a caregiving context because I've said it pretty much on most or all of the episodes of this show that if you've listened to previous episodes that the older population in central Pennsylvania is growing it's growing rapidly and yes i've i've had episodes where you can i talk about what i do at Keystone Elder Law you you know the fundamental estate planning asset protection for the middle class but that's only part of it and i've always said i'm only part of the picture Richard Ruda, my guest today from Visiting Angels, serving South Central Pennsylvania, is part of the effort to prepare in another way and have conversations, get ready for caregiving needs that your spouse or your parent or your next door neighbor, your aunt or your uncle might need because, you know, most of us do need help in the later years of life, whether it's because of dementia or physical mobility problems. And Richard, I, I, I just uh, what you've what you've provided so far, some information about you know what what visiting angels does, what home care does, going in non medical home care to help people through their days. I think that most people don't understand that uh, that this is a resource, or they don't understand it very in a very detailed way. And one thing that that you've learned, I mean, you've learned a lot of this not only through experience but from your own parents' experience. Uh, you know, you talk about something called the greatest gift. What would you tell us about the greatest gift? The greatest gift, Patrick, is having uh, is um, having your loved ones, knowing your loved ones' uh, wishes are at end of life. Uh, About having them having a living will or an advanced directive, and most people, unfortunately, don't (laughs) because they don't talk about it. 
And um, in my personal situation with my mom and with both my mom and dad, but in particular with my father, he he was in the medical profession himself. And we always knew his, um, he would always tell us if he, he n- would never want to suffer. And uh, when we had to admit him into the nursing, it was, was so hard for me. And um, the average length of stay is about three years in the nation in long-term care. And ironically, my dad was in, in, in the facility for about three years. And I would always, as a nurse and knowing the situation, I, I knew it was hard. But in the back of my head, I always just think it could be worse. He could be demented and have a stroke. And my gosh, my poor dad had a severe stroke. And we had to make a decision to put a feeding tube in my dad. Um, my sister, who's the oldest, I'm the youngest. We were his dual powers of attorney. And I just always, I never forget the call I made to her. I'm, I'm the nurse. I'm the administrator. I'm the manager. I ran a hospice. All these things. I was none of that. I was a son. And all that stuff went out the window, to be quite honest with you. And I remember calling my sister up and saying, sis, you know, we're going to starve him. And her response was to me, you know, Rick, we're not going to have this. We're not going to have this discussion. And I, and I kind of woke up and I said, yeah, Charlotte, you're right. We're not because we knew what dad wanted. So I always tell families when, when we do admit them to our services, the greatest gift you can give your children is a living will. So they know what you want at, in, at that moment. Yeah, and I just just very recently had a conversation, and this comes up all the time, but you know, having the, the healthcare power of attorney where you, you name who's going to make your medical decisions if, if you're not able mm-hmm. to speak for yourself, and the second half of it is the living will, meaning if we go into uh, an end-of-life situation, there's some very specific questions you can go through to make clear what your wishes are. But I just had a conversation like you're describing. It comes up from time to time with... Um, with a client who said, you know, that it, what comes up is people say, oh, I've been through this with my parents or, you know, this runs in my family. And, and they'll tell me a story about how they had the living will, but actually carrying it out, that feeding tube, that that, that whole conversation, um, whether you do CPR. I mean, the, this is all going to be right in the living will. If, and if they get good advice and counsel as they go through filling it out. There, you know, there's stories that, that can be told and they draw on their own experiences. But the the woman who I was speaking to uh, recently, a client said, you know, it was still so hard. It is. And and it it's hard. but I, I guess my response to that is imagine how much harder it would be yeah. if you had no idea what your your dad wanted. And now you're That's at the right. foot of the hospital bed and it's the burden is entirely on you rather than just knowing that it was dad's decisions. Uh, but, and of course, you know, I would take this a bit further. I think the greatest gift, that's one of them, that's for quality of life, that's it. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the living will, the healthcare power of attorney. But how many times do people come to you and you want to be arranging for like, well, how are you going to uh, pay the bills? How are you going to, you know, pay for home care? How are you, who's going to sign the agreement? Mm-hmm. And they don't have a financial power of attorney either. That's exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it happens all the time. And, it, and it's just like, this is an opportunity for the adult child or the spouse to say, look, we're not only seeing a need for care, but there's some other planning that needs yeah. to be done. Because if you wait until you're on the doorstep of a nursing home, you are in a pickle because guardianship court might might be the only way to make decisions. Well, that's what I call the window of opportunity. <laughs> and I often, <clears throat> when I um, consult with families, I tell them you are in what I 
call a window of opportunity to get everything together financially, not just financially, but also uh, their living wills, uh, uh, burial plans as well. Correct. Uh, you know, that's another piece that people don't even realize. Right. And, um, and, and I saw, especially if before we were able, fortunately, we, we created with, because of being in, in the industry as long as I have, we were very fortunate being able to set up a, um, a, a um, forgive me, um, um, I'm trying to think of the word, and I know you know it, um, as it relates to sheltering their assets, uh, irre- irrevocable family trust. Forgive yes. me. Yeah, an irrevocable yeah. family trust. Right. So we're able to get that done for my parents as well. Yep. But um, I do several of those a week. <laughs> I mean, that's that's you just described much of how I spend my waking hours. Because, but that assumes something, though, Richard. That, that assumes that people are planning well in advance. Because Most if you're on not. the doorstep of the nursing home, <laughs> of course you're worried about your family member's health. And then you get sticker shock because of the cost of care, yeah. and you say, "Well, it's time to do some asset protection." Yeah. You can forget about a trust because there's yeah. that has to be done a certain number of years mm-hmm. before you right. you need that level of care. So you can do a whole lot more asset protection if you work way in advance. We can still help, you yeah. know, if it's Medicaid and and for skilled care, you know, we can help with that. But but I th- I just love your message though of you're in, you have a window of opportunity because if the parent still has their cognitive capacity about them mm-hmm. and they can make yeah. financial plans they can make legal plans they can voice uh what their wishes are for health care and, and including their home care they how they want it to go and i'm sure it would not be be surprising to you that you know when people are calling us some people some family members don't have a power of attorney oh that uh, does not uh, surprise me at all <laughs> what's a power of attorney you know what yeah. are you the poa what's a poa you know right. you know that's just you know all lingual in our business it, it yeah. is and i mean it's everyone it's just knows as, what a poa is <laughs> it's as simple as hey if you're listening to this show you have the cognitive wherewithal to get into your bank accounts pay your bills move money around sign agreements sign the deed on a house if you're going to sell it but if you have dementia if you have a stroke if you have, you know, the, the statistics are alarming. If you're one of these many people who loses the capacity to do this for yourself, is the bank going to talk mm-hmm. to anybody but you? Yep. No, not unless you have a power of attorney and that person is then uh, empowered to do these things for you. And, and I, so I, I always tell families, it's just so critical that you're keeping these communications open and, and talking about things. You know, there is a subset of individuals that do not have family. Sure. And some people by themselves. And and that's there's a thing called a medical surrogate, which I'm, I'm not sure everybody I, I know not everyone's aware of it, and that is someone to act as your medical person, you know, if to make decisions for you medically and financially. Right. Yeah, it, that's the other thing is is when people are they've outlived everybody they know or or they're estranged from their children who may or may not live locally. Yeah. And then we really have to get creative with finding who's going to be the decision maker. Even And if I'm speaking with them, they're still able to have the conversation. Mm-hmm. But we have to plan as if we're one of the three who are going to get dementia or yes. that one of the two out of every three who will need a higher level of care. And and I, I'm just so glad that you're, you're voicing that this is an experience you have where people say, I don't know what a power of attorney is. And, mm-hmm. you know, we get the call occasionally 
occasionally where people say, uh, you know, dad's having a surgery next Tuesday. We need a, a, a health care power of attorney done. And I mean, we have people on our calendar for months and yeah. it's we do our best. Yeah. But but at the same time, when there are people who are, you know, being responsible and doing their planning, you kind of have to emphasize them. So, yeah. you know. So Richard Ruda with Visiting Angels has been my guest today. We're talking about what home care is, getting people through their days while keeping them independent in their home with their dignity. Visiting Angels can be reached at 717-337-0620. Richard, thank you for being here today. It was my pleasure and honor. Thank you. So we'll do this again next week on the Later in Life Planning Show. I hope you'll join us then. In the meantime, you can get more information about the levels of care, how you're going to pay for it, most importantly, how you can take action and work it into an estate plan and have asset protection. All of that is through keystoneelderlaw.com at the workshops tab. Get registered, get some information, and take action. Thank you for joining me on the Later in Life Planning Show sponsored by Keystone Elder Law on News Radio WHP 580.